Kia ora. It's Friday the 2nd of August 2019 and welcome to the Week in Tax. I'm Terry Boucher, Taxpert and Director of Boucher Consulting Limited, a tax consultancy helping optimise tax for small businesses, individuals with overseas investments and other professionals. This week, what tax do high wealth individuals pay? Can an exemption really increase tax revenue? And provisional tax, a lesson from my time on the Small Business Council. On Monday, the Herald, the New Zealand Herald, released a story regarding the growth in the number of high net worth individuals or high worth individuals and asking questions about the amount of tax they paid and noting uh, it noted the report noted a couple of things firstly that over the period between 2013 and 2018 the number of high wealth individuals had risen by 75% but it also noted, and there were now about 350 such individuals, a high wealth individual for inland revenue purposes is someone who controls more than $50 million of wealth. And I was asked about this um, by um, News Talk ZB. Um, I said I wasn't surprised in the growth in wealth. Uh, it does outstrip, has outstripped the rise of inflation, but asset classes have risen substantially over this period. Um, the New Zealand stock market, for example, has written uh, the NZX50 has risen by 140%. So uh, it's not hard to see why wealth has ac- accumulated. It's sort of wealth that you get a combination of exist- wealth, asset price growth, and the ability to leverage. And very quickly the numbers can mount up. The other thing that the Herald raised, though, which was very interesting, was the amount of tax in dispute. Now, the, amount in, the high worth individuals in 2014 um, had $112 million in dispute with inland revenue. But by 2018, that had fallen to $85.8 million. So you have a substantial increase in the number of high wealth individuals. But at the same time, the amount of tax that they're arguing about has fallen. And that points probably to better non-compliance uh, c- amongst this group. Not exactly something that um, is an easy headline, um, but the point to be made about the accumulation of wealth and uh, quickly is that at present in our tax system, through um, not taxing large sector section doesn't tax large um, parts of cap- large numbers of capital gains, so asset growth can rapidly rise um, without any tax being paid on that growth. Now that's something that is going to provoke um, debate. We had the debate around a capital gains tax. I think the debate is going to move on to whether an, an alternative um, means of capturing some of those gains will be required uh, in the future. And I think that debate is is already happening, and it's also going to become more important because of demographic changes and the rapid rise in the amount of uh, New Zealand superannuation which um, I saw one projection, which will see it rise between now and 2022 by 35%. And that will put strain on the tax base. The other thing uh, on the questions, we don't know a lot about high wealth individuals, however. This is something the tax working group asked the um, Inland Revenue to do more work on. 
Inland Revenue coincidentally had done some work in this field in 2015 in the wake of the publication of Max Rushbrook's book on inequality. And it, it drilled into the high wealth individuals. And uh, for the 2014 year, the report, which was made available to um, the tax working group and is therefore publicly available to everyone, um, had some interesting commentary. In that, for that year, the high wealth individual <coughs> group paid $658 million in net income tax. 75% of that, or about $485 million, was paid by companies controlled by high wealth individuals, with um, a further 19% or $124 million paid by the trusts controlled, uh, which, control, which are controlled by HWIs, and finally just 5%, or $36 million, was paid by the high wealth individual controlling the group. Now, there was some other stuff that came out. Not for that year, 83% of all the tax paid came from just 25%. And there was still, despite a, a, a large underlying wealth in the group, uh, wealth across these uh, high wealth individuals, they still had something like $3 billion of tax losses. And individuals, the 200-odd the, the individuals, had $60 million of losses. So <coughs> the conclusion is that HWIs, high wealth individuals, are paying their taxes as required by law, and in, broadly speaking they are, but a large and substantial amount of the wealth, what you might call income, um, in economic terms, is not being taxed. This was the, the economic rationale for a capital gains tax. That rationale, I don't think, has gone away. But I think what we're going to see is the um, pressure for change building this. The, the story in the Herald provoked quite a bit of um, uh, response um, from certain, uh, suggesting in the spin-off there should be a cap on how, how rich people can get. The Another from Thomas Pippos, uh, CEO of uh, Deloitte, pointed out that the high-wealth individual, the tax base, was he called it an inconvenient truth was the tax base was quite narrow and that high wealth individuals and high income earners paid quite a substantial amount of tax and a substantial portion of the, the um, people in the country were actually net recipients through transfers such as superannuation and working for families. That, that's all well and true. I think the, the better question is should we have more? How do we grow more? high wealth individuals and even though they do pay a substantial amount of income tax is a very larger portion of their economic wealth not being taxed and can that is that sustainable for the future all this is going to the debate will rage for quite some time to come moving on a little really strange thing popped up the other day that uh, the government granted an exemption for oil um, platform drilling rigs. Um, this was to, under tax law, a, a oil rig owned by a, a company can be deemed to have a, what's called a permanent establishment in, in, under many double tax agreements if it's in New Zealand waters for six months or so. And apparently the habit had developed of making sure that no platform stayed for six months within waters. Um, so they would shuffle them out 
and shuffle a new one in, um, in, in to make sure that um, they didn't breach this six-month period. But that shuffling cost time and money and e emissions because it's quite inefficient. And it was actually because they would get the deduction for, they could get a deduction for that. So the, the, the extension was granted so that it would be, I think it's 12 months. But the, the thing that was re, re, to stop this um, shuffle, shuffling, but the thing that caught uh, my eye and that of Andrea Black was that the revenue, the, the measure was promoted as being revenue positive. In other words, the government was going to get more revenue, approximately $4 million more, because of um, this exemption. Now, this there's, you may have heard it referred to the Laffer curve, and there is a point, there's always been an argument, if you lower taxes, you will raise revenue. And so this would seem to be an example of that. But it, it was one of those things where the analysis could go either way, and the number is some completely insignificant in it. But it also raised the other question, which we talked about last week, and I think we were talking about um, no doubt in the future, is that given we have got commitments about greenhouse gas emissions, is this an exemption we should be encouraging on the wider policy perspective? On the other hand, the, um, the right to drill may have been revoked for future new in, um, licenses, but they still have the right to drill and explore under existing licenses, and as we transition to the lower emission gas, we are still going to need some form of the oil and hydrocarbons extracted. So one of those difficult ones, but it was an interesting little point. And finally in the week, we've got provisional tax instalment coming up on the 28th of this month. Um, provisional tax is a, one of those headaches that um, represent um, for small businesses in particular. It was something we talked about in the Small Business Council. Now, there are about 300,000 provisional taxpayers in New Zealand, and its provisional tax collects about $20 billion of tax a year. Now, 75% of all those provisional taxpayers are individuals, but 75% of the provisional tax payments come from companies. And of that $20 billion, um, nearly 43%, or um, $8 billion, just over $8 billion, Dollars is paid by just five five percent of the top companies, so it's quite concentrated, but it is something of a headache in its compliance, and a number of um, measures have been introduced to try and make it easier. We have the accounting income method, we have the GST ratio method, but one of the things that's also emerged is the use of tax pooling companies, which we recommend and use for clients, and these use the pooling to mitigate the cost of getting it wrong and the high use of money interest rates, which, by the way, just a reminder, will rise to 8.35% uh, from 29th of August. But the point was made, talking with a colleague on the Small Business Council, that is this, we'd come across a position where uh, application for um, a government grants had got so complicated that businesses had basically outsourced that to consultants. The consultants were making a nice income preparing the application for grants. 
And that seemed to to us to be getting the cart before the horse. And that the issue really was that the procedures were inordinately complicated in the first place. And really, encouraging a cottage industry to apply for government grants isn't really good long-term policy. And the thought occurred to, to me, thinking about that in relation to provisional tax, is has provisional tax... Uh, and getting the consequences of getting it wrong, develop something such as in the tax pooling system, a response to a problem where a little bit more cut through and simplification might remove the need for such uh, actions. It's something to ponder, um, but the reminder is provisional tax is coming up. We can generally mitigate for those who are provisional tax is going to be below $60,000 for the year. The use of money interest is relatively easily handled. Above that, we do need to be more careful and planning, so keep in touch with us. Well, that's it for the week in tax. I'm Terry Boucher, and you can find this podcast on my website, www.boucher.tax, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please send me your feedback and tell your friends and clients. Until next time, have a great week. Kakiti Ano.